Welcome to Israel from the Inside, where we try to break out of the echo chamber, surfacing the wide array of often conflicting viewpoints that make up the mosaic of Israeli life. I'm Daniel Gordas of Shalem College in Jerusalem. Go to danielgordas.substack.com where you can subscribe to these podcasts and join our community of listeners and readers, access the archive of all these episodes, and post comments, interacting with others who share your interest in Zionism, Israel, and the future of the Jewish state. We have the pleasure today of speaking with a person who I find to be an extraordinarily creative and kind of contra-conventional thinker, uh, Dr. Anat Wilf, who has a political background, an intellectual background, an author of numerous books, We'll start with the technical stuff. Uh, Dr. Wolf has a BA from Harvard, an MBA from Anciad in France, and a PhD from Cambridge in political science. Um, so I not maybe uh, your next life you'll get into some good schools, but you know it's not a bad start. Um, she's also served as a visiting uh, professor at Georgetown University. She's the co-author of numerous books. We're going to talk about two of them today. Uh, the next to most recent one is called The War of Return, How Western Indulgence of the Palestinian Dream Has Obstructed the Path to Peace, and a more recent book of essays called We Should All Be Zionists, Essays on the Jewish State and the Path to Peace. Uh, Dr. Wolf was uh, raised, born and raised in Israel. Uh, she served as an intelligence officer in the IDF, a foreign policy advisor to Vice Prime Minister Shimon Peres, and also worked for McKinsey and Company for a while. Uh, so first of all, Dr. Wilf, Einat, thank you very much for joining us for this conversation. My pleasure. Thank you. Israel, by American standards, is a very left-wing socialist society, all the way into uh, the Likud. Uh, so I think... Uh, for me, what uh, my criticism is for my people of the left is that especially what they fail to do today is they, they fail to speak Jewishly and they fail to speak Zionist-y, if you can say that. So they're, um, when they promote their liberal values, they're doing it in the name of imported ideals. They, most of the time, they fail to speak to it as Zionist ideals, as Jewish ideals. This is why I think the whole idea of Jewish versus democratic is a tragedy of the left because the left is basically saying Jewish is everything that's bad, that's fascist, and democratic is everything that's good. Uh, and I'm sure as you know, it's very easy in the Israeli Declaration of Independence, I always like to use that example, the word Jew, Jewish, Jews appears about 20 times and the word democracy, never. And right. because the way they say is that the Jewish state will uphold values of equality and justice based on the vision of the Hebrew prophets. So there's this notion that when we talk about the values of who we are, we do it from our, from our civilization. Uh, we speak from within Jewish life, from Jewish texts, from Jewish history, and from Zionists. 
uh, thinking and history. And I think the tragedy of my camp is that they've abandoned that. So a, a, an, uh, an indication of the strength of what you're saying in terms of more voices being heard, just to point out, uh, in Naftali Bennett, we had Israel's first Orthodox prime minister. Um, Begin was traditional and he put on a kippah in certain cases, but he was far from being an Orthodox Jew. So in Bennett, we had the first Orthodox prime minister. In Yair Lapid, we actually have the first prime minister who's been a member of a reform congregation and Beit uh, Daniel in Tel Aviv, which is actually a fascinating thing. And I think most people have no idea. We went from the first Orthodox prime minister to the first openly engaged or embracing reform Zionism, reform Judaism. So there are all these voices that are coming up. But when you talk about Judaism and liberalism kind of being this braid that's braided together and we need not unbraid them, I think a lot of people are now pausing and saying, and I am too, Okay, but I actually am very worried about one particular thing. And you said, you know, if we took BB out of the picture, then a lot of things would happen. That's a thousand percent true. But BB is very much not out of the picture. Uh, he's not out of the picture in running the Likud. And he's not out of the picture in terms of doing anything that he can to try to get reelected, which includes bringing in and giving a certain hechsher to parties like Otsma Yehudit with Itamar Ben Gvir, uh, who is the person, I think, in Israeli politics about whom the word fascist gets used the most and who about whom it is said very often that he's a, he's a Kahanist. Um, so now um, the Dr. Wilf, who is trained in political theory and political thought, who is in my mind, one of the most, most insightful observers of what's going on in Israel. How worried should we be about this phenomenon of Itamar Ben-Vir getting encroaching into the right? How much does he really represent a significant part of Israeli society? Is this dangerous? Is this a passing phase? Is it going to burn itself out? Where are we with him and his like? So I'm always hesitant to tell Jews not to worry, but uh, I will give my uh, kind of my view on why at least I'm finding it hard. I I'm, I'm just uh, analyzing my visceral reaction. And, and you were correct, a lot of Israelis uh, do, don't see it as a very worrying phenomenon. So I, I have a few explanations for that. The first is... By the way, the American Jewish press, of course, I know. as an, uh, you know, a four-alarm fire. Israel's going down the fascist group. Mayor Kahan is coming back yeah. to life. But again, I just want to make sure that our listeners understand how ironic it is that the country in which it's happening seems not to be terribly worked up about it. Um, and the second largest Jewish community in the world, which, of course, the United States and others around the world, they are very, very concerned about this. So why is Dr. Raynott Wilf not as concerned about this? OK, so the first is that I have a theory, maybe one point I'll expand and write about it, is that entry into Israeli society is from the right. And generally exit is from the left. Uh, so what does it mean that entry into Israeli society is from the right? If you are a marginalized voice. Haredis, uh, Mizrahi Jews, if you're a marginalized voice, your entry into Israeli society, the building of your legitimacy in politics is almost always from the right. Uh, That's fascinating. It's true of the Russians yeah. also, by the way. And of course, the Mizrahi Jews with Begin. Um, so, and I think by now I have enough of a perspective to see that once they have entered Israeli society, they feel more legitimate. They feel more that they are homeowners, that this is their place. Uh, like the woman from the Likud, they basically moderate their positions. Um, 
So one explanation I have is that Ben Gvir now is channeling especially the Haredi and the Haredi Mizrahi voices uh, from the right. So uh, Haredi Jews have historically been anti-Zionist, a-Zionist. Now you're beginning to have the Haredis who are very right-wing, but I'm viewing it as actually their entry into Israeli society. And Ben Gvir is channeling a lot of that uh, energy. So uh, that's one of the reasons that I find it hard to get worked up about it, because I've seen that process over generations. The other is that, and it's uh, related to that, is again, I've lived enough to to see demons come and go. So, uh, Began, I grew up in a family, society, neighborhood, that if Begin, like as soon as Begin was elected, this was the end of the state of Israel. So now everyone's like, oh, Begin was so mamlachti and Begin was like so Democrat. And where are the days of Begin, right? This is what you hear now from the left. I, again, I'm old enough to remember when Begin was the huge demon that would destroy the state of Israel. I remember Eric Sharon. If Ari, the people who promised to immigrate out of Israel if Ariel Sharon would be elected are numerous. We all remember that. And look where where he went. Look what Begin uh, did. Look what Ariel Sharon did. Uh, Naftali Bennett is a fairly recent demon. You know, Naftali Bennett was a demon for quite a while. And then he became... Well, he was an annexationist. I mean, just to make sure... Yeah, and then he became this very moderate prime minister. So by now, I have enough of a history of demons that uh, that I find again, I find it difficult to get worked up. And you talked a bit also about the differing perspectives. We have a recent example when supposedly annexation was on the agenda. You know how many panels and zooms I participated in. Israel is becoming this annexationist, uh, land grabbing monster, and you know. And I kept on telling them, no, seriously, most Israelis don't care. Uh, this is not on the agenda of most Israelis. And again, all you had to do was to have the Emiratis say, hey, guys, you want, uh, you know, direct flights for Dubai? And Israelis were so happy to get rid of supposedly this annexation. So, and Smotrich, Smotrich was this huge demon. And then he became part of the government and he was an excellent minister of transportation. So, again, by now I have enough of a perspective uh, to see that all these demons, Israel is going, you know, Israel's becoming this fascist, insane, um, just never materialized. I find this notion fascinating. I mean, I've read tons of what you've written, and I, I may have missed it, but this notion that the right is your point of entry in and the left is the point of exit. So say something about what they call in the Gemara world, the Seifa, right? What I, you said, you've explained to us a little bit how the right is the point of entry, which I think is really amazing. It's true of Ethiopians. It's true of Russians. It's true of the Mizrahi world, which is now in greater numbers than the Ashkenazi world. I mean, it is, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really true. Um, in what way is the left the point of exit? What did you mean by that? So first I'll say you didn't miss it because I haven't written about it yet. I plan to at one point. Uh, the left is the point of exit. I think historically that's where you see, um, so for example, 
people mostly on the left, uh, sociologically, are often third and fourth generation to the founders of Israel. They don't need to prove anything. This is their country as far as they're concerned. So they're often the ones who are more likely to basically kind of say, you know, um, I don't have, you know, uh, I don't need it anymore. Um, there's this uh, famous uh, joke in Israel, I'm sure you know, about the guy who was um, thrown out of training for the Air Force, and he immediately asks to enlist in anti-aircraft, and he's asked why, and he says, if I don't, if I don't fly, nobody does. Uh, so sometimes I find that third, fourth generation um, Israelis, uh, you know, the ones, again, it's, very, it's at the margin, but it's interesting, who become anti-Zionist. Uh, it's the kind of uh, attitude that says, if it's not my kind of Israel, it's, if it's not the kibbutznik Israel, it has all these Mizrahis and Haredis, and I don't know who all these people are, then I don't want this. Then this is not a country that I'm interested in, and, and you know, I'm checking out mentally, if not physically. Um, so uh, I think there's a bit of that sociological element of like, this is us. We didn't have to prove ourselves. We didn't have to prove that we belong here. So there's a more uh, ca uh, casual attitude of like, we can also just let it go. To make sure that I understand you correctly and to make sure that um, if you're saying what I think you're saying, that our listeners pick this up. If Israel has another election on November 1st that ends up in a tie of some sort or 59, 61, whatever, the overwhelming response is going to be, look how divided Israel is. They election after election, they just can't even elect the government. They're so divided. And if I understand correctly, a not wolf is saying, yeah, we're stuck again, precisely because we're not divided. We're stuck again because it's a matter of personalities, you know, BB, not BB, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the vision of what Israel should be is shared by some 70, 80 percent of the people. And again, in Israel, the, the, vote, the, the, the political issues are not they're not immigration and they're not economics. Uh, they are security, security, and security, and then they are religion, freedom of religion, all that kind of thing. It's a very different can of worms. But is that correct? If we end up with a tie on November 1st or something close to it, it's not because we're so deeply divided, but it's because we are actually so united? Um, let me put it this way. We are barely divided on anything that is a matter of policy. Like on issues of policy, there are very few. I mean, there's no divisions. There's different ideas, but there's no divisions that divide left and right on policy. I do think that the fundamental division, and this is where why Netanyahu is such uh, an, a key figure here, is what we talked about. Who does Israel belong to? Does it belong to supposedly the newcomers, who by now have been here for 70 years, or does it belong to its founders? Uh, what uh, Avishai ben Chaim called the uh, first Israel or second Israel. Uh, and I think it's much more visceral at this level. And this is why the battle is going on. This is why I think we're going on to multiple elections, because this is a battle basically more about who owns Israel, who feels that this is their country, their home. And this is where we are divided. So call it more a matter of identity. But it's not about policy. On issues of policies, there's almost no divisions today between traditionally the left and right in Israel. You've been listening to Israel from the Inside. 
Go to danielgordas.substack.com where you can hear more of these episodes. If you have ideas for topics you'd like us to explore, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, I'm Daniel Gordas.